Good morning. Let me add my welcome to uh, Matt's. My name is Spencer. Uh, if you are new to Church of the City, I have the privilege of being the pastor of missional living for our church. If you are new and you're thinking, man, how am I going to remember who's who? Matt the booted, Spencer the bearded. Um, until maybe, you know, I shave and break my foot or something, and then it'll just be really confusing. But that's how you can remember it for the time being. Um, and if this is your first Sunday with us, I'm glad that you get to experience the gym um, before we move up to the auditorium, the sanctuary, um, next week. Because those of you who have been around Church of the City for a long time know that this is kind of who Church of the City really is at the core. We're kind of punk rock, meeting in gyms. We've met in gyms all over the city of Guelph. Um, and now we're trying to sort of you know, be adultish and move into like a real church uh, sanctuary next week. So you get to experience one Sunday of sort of who we are at heart. Um, this is uh, the last week of the summer, um, which is wild. Uh, we have been in a series in Psalm 139, and this is our last week in it. So I'm going to read uh, the whole psalm for us. So if you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn there um, or open one up on your phone. If you do not have a Bible, um, please put up your hand, uh, and one of our Frontlines team, uh, Peter here, will bring you one, and if you don't own one at all, we would love for you to keep that. Um, we open our Bibles up every week at Church of the City, like every week we're in God's Word, so um, take one, keep it. Uh, if you don't have one, that's, it's our delight to give that to you. So Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies." Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
This is the word of the Lord. So we are looking at the last two verses of Psalm 139 this morning. Uh, If you are exploring the Christian faith, maybe you are a, a new follower of Jesus, and some of the words of the psalm, particularly at the end around hatred and slaying the wicked, you're thinking, wow, okay, this is a different flavor to the Bible than I realized uh, was in here. Go back, uh, go to our website and listen to two weeks ago um, where Nick Carney talked about how do we understand those words, because uh, upon first reading, they're, they're tough words, um, so I'd highly recommend that. But we're looking at the last two verses uh, this morning. As we get going, um, I want to tell you a really quick story. Um, some of you uh, know that a couple of weeks ago, Sam and I had the chance to go to uh, Detroit to a gathering of some pastors in this uh, family of churches we are a part of called the Soma family. Um, we had a great time there, but on our way down, we were briefly detained at the border. Not too long, 45 minutes, an hour, something like that. Um, Has that ever happened to anybody? Either you're driving or flying and you've gotten stuck, you've been invited into that room that nobody wants to go in, put up your hand maybe, unless you don't want to put up your hand because it was like, you know, uh, awkward reasons that you got invited back there or something. Uh, Then leave your hand down, that's fine. Um, But if you have been in that situation, um, you kind of know the drill, right? You sort of start getting like these commands when you're driving. I think this is standard. You know, we were told... We, to pull into a certain spot, um, to leave our, our car keys and phones on the dash, to go inside. Um, and then inside, you're having your personal information examined, while outside, they're examining your personal belongings. The whole thing is very invasive, right? And if you've been in that situation, what's your sort of thought or impulse when you finally get your, your documents, your passport back? It's usually something like, get me out of here, right? Like, let's go. I think I literally said to Sam when we got back in the car, like, let's get out of here. Because we don't like being questioned like that, right? We don't like being sort of examined in that way, having our stuff searched. It goes against so much of sort of what we prioritize or value in our culture today, right? It sort of compromises our autonomy. Sam and I had distinct plans of what we wanted to do that first night in Detroit, and those were all thrown out the window, by like this extra hour at the border. It reminds you that yes, there are greater authorities in the world than ourselves that we have to submit to at times, which we don't love. And it's just plain inconvenient. And we don't like things that are inconvenient, do we? And while some of those realities I think are particularly strong for us in our culture here in Canada today, uh, I think you would agree that that's, to a certain extent, this is just part of the human condition, right? We don't like being too closely examined. And so this conjures the question for us, why would David say at the end of this psalm, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Think about the fact that David is saying, try me to the God of the universe. (laughs) Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me. Why is David inviting this kind of heat on himself? Particularly when, if you were paying attention as we read the psalm, he says back in verse 1, he says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. So why now at the end is he sort of inviting this process to begin again? Why would he do that? This is a question we're going to explore in our time together this morning. Why would David ask this? And the second question we'll try and answer is, what is he really asking? Why would he ask this, and and what is he really asking? Because if God has searched him, if God is all-knowing, as he said throughout the psalm, then then what is it actually that David's asking of God here at the end? 
Before we dive into all that and go any further, we'll do what we always do. Again, if this is your first Sunday with us, something we always do on a Sunday morning is we take a moment to pause, uh, take some deep breaths, consider how you're feeling. God cares about our emotions. He's there with you. Um, Consider how you're feeling in this particular moment, but maybe also zoom out. How are you feeling as we head into September? Uh, Maybe you don't want to think about that, but you can do it. Do do some deep breathing, uh, and then I'll pray and we'll continue on, okay? Jesus, we invite you by your spirit to do what it is that you want to do this morning in us individually and in us as a church. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So firstly, why? Why would David invite this kind of examination? I'm going to put an answer out there right off the bat and then we'll dig into it, okay? You'll see this on the screen. This is sort of a, a, a lengthy thought. Okay, here it is. We can only bear deep examination or accept calls for us to change from those with whom we are in secure, loving relationship. Let me say this again. We as human beings can only bear deep examination or accept calls for us to change from those with whom we are in secure, loving relationship. In other words, the answer, I believe, to the question of why would David invite this kind of examination is that he has this kind of relationship with God. And this isn't my idea that we need this kind of secure, loving relationship in order to be able to open up and change. This isn't my idea. Theologians are thinking and writing about this more and more informed by the fields of psychology and neuroscience. A book that's very fascinating in all this is called uh, Renovated, um, written by sort of Dallas Willard and this uh, guy Jim Wilder sort of in conversation with each other. And this is what Jim Wilder says in that book. He says, the only kind of love that helps the brain learn better character is attachment love. The only kind of love that helps the brain learn better character is attachment love. So said differently, we can only really change in the deepest parts of us, right, our character, uh, when we're sort of in relationship with people that we trust, that we know we're safe with. I mean, in contrast, think back to my situation at the border or a situation like that uh, that you've possibly been in. It feels so invasive because you pull up to this booth and someone that you've never met sort of looks at your passport looks at you, looks back at your passport, and then in about 10 seconds or 30 seconds decides that you're not good enough to go through this border, right? Everybody else can go through except for you. You need to go and stand in a little uh, room while someone questions you, and all of a sudden the trip that you're on feels much sketchier than it did 10 minutes ago, right? I was going to a pastor's gathering, and all of a sudden I felt very defensive about that. You know, yeah, it's just pastors. We're, we're just getting together for encouragement and stuff. And, but then I was sort of questioning everything. And it, meanwhile, someone outside, again, someone you've never met, is looking through all your stuff, rifling through your belongings. There's no relationship, and thus it feels incredibly invasive and sort of frustrating. And so you, you might be thinking, well, sure, Spencer, but based on the rest of the psalm that we've been looking at this summer, it's clear that David knew God pretty well. He talks about his omniscience, his omnipresence, God's sort of perspective on justice. David knows God well. And here an important uh, sort of correction or reminder is needed. 
Knowledge alone doesn't lead us into this kind of loving, secure relationship. Knowledge alone does not get us there. And intuitively, we kind of understand this, right? Like, I could tell you lots and lots about my mom, and you're not going to trust her the same way that I do, right? You're not going to all of a sudden have the same relationship with her that I do. And so it's important for us to realize that David has not spent Psalm 139 sort of teaching himself into trusting God. Okay, so God is, you know, all-knowing. He's uh, present everywhere. Um, Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can trust you, God. All right, now search me and know me. He's not sort of teaching himself into this. So where does this kind of trust come from? Friends, it comes from actual encounters with the living God. In good times and in bad, in the midst of our failures and screw-ups, and coming to realize that he is not going to leave us. Psalm 27.10 says this. I believe this is one of David's psalms. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. When all else fails, God, you can be trusted. Even my father and mother may let me down, but you can be trusted. So the point is this, friends. We will never allow God to have free reign in our hearts and lives if we don't trust him this way. And we won't come to trust God simply by knowing things about him or even doing things for him. We actually need a real relationship with him. And this is why, as we'll talk about next week, as Matt will dive into in our vision series, encounter is a uh, foundational value for us as a church. We say this, as God's adopted children, we long for daily, tangible encounters with him. This is, as as I just said, foundational, right? Because if that's not happening, daily, tangible encounters with him, then great teaching on a Sunday morning will mean very little. I'm talking about Matt, not myself there. Um, Really rich times of musical worship, though really enjoyable, won't really lead us to grow very much. Even great meals around a table with a missional community won't change us all that much. We need this kind of daily, tangible encounters, a relationship. So you might be asking, okay, I've been a Christian for many years and I feel like I'm one of those Christians that knows a lot about God but maybe doesn't have this kind of vibrant, personal relationship with him. How do I, how do I cultivate that in my life? We could talk about that for weeks. Um, Three simple suggestions right now. This book, Renovated, is very interesting and makes some practical suggestions about how to cultivate this in your life. So that's Renovated by uh, Dallas Willard and Jim Wilder. Another book that um, Jim Wilder wrote, a very short book, is called uh, Joyful Journey. And it's just about simple ways of journaling that sort of open up these relational parts in our brains. Really fascinating. I've used it in my own um, times journaling and have loved it. And in that book, this is the third suggestion I have for you, the the most simple suggestion that they have, even if you're not going to start journaling, the, the easiest way to turn on the relational parts in our brain is through gratitude. So my simplest suggestion that I could give you in this moment of how to begin to not just know things about God, but really to know him, is to spend a few minutes each day like really intentionally thanking him for what he's done, what he's given you, and spending that time with him. 
David knows when he invites this sort of examination, he can do this because he knows it's not some anonymous, finger-wagging deity in the sky that he's talking to. It's Yahweh, the God who he has walked and talked with since his days back shepherding in the desert. That's why. But secondly, what? What is it really that David is asking for? Well, a few words in these last two verses, I think, tell us. Let me read these last two verses again. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So three words that I think illuminate what David is really asking here. First is thoughts. Now, he talks about God knowing his thoughts back at the beginning of the psalm. But it's actually different words in Hebrew that he uses at the beginning and at the end. At the end here, it's sarapim, which is not just thoughts, but it's actually sort of anxious thoughts or cares, or some might say misgivings. And friends, I think this is a beautiful picture of what it looks like to grow in maturity as a follower of Jesus. Because what I think we see happening with David here, or David writing about, is that he knows and trusts God enough to invite this kind of scrutiny, this kind of examination. And yet he's honest enough to admit that he's not 100% trusting yet. There's still misgivings, there's still cares existing in his heart. There are corners of David's heart that are not yet fully submitted to God. So he says, come and look at these with me. And then he says, see if there be any grievous way in me. This word grievous, not one that we too often use. Uh, it can mean a couple of things. It can mean offensive, right? God, are, are any of these misgivings, these cares in my heart, offensive to you? It can also mean idolatrous. Are any of these a reflection of areas in my life where I'm putting something a little bit ahead of you? Where if I lost this thing, I'd be more devastated than if I lost you. See if any of these are grievous against you, God. Examine these misgivings with me. And regardless of what God shows to us, friends, we need to allow him to do the work at that point. Because it's easy for us to think, particularly for those of us who have been followers of Jesus for a long time, that we've sort of dealt with the capital G, grievous sins, right? Probably the most often way that we would use this word um, is sort of a grievous injury, you know, like someone is, is injured in a way that's going to lead to death. And we can start to think, well, I've been a Christian for a long time, and I've sort of gotten those really big, dangerous sins out of my life. Or we look at other Christian leaders and sort of their fall from grace and say, that's not me, thank goodness. But this is a dangerous sort of trend of thought to get into, friends. Um, Felicia Masonheimer uh, says it this way. She says, we aren't safe in our little sins. In fact, we are dangerously numbed by them, little by little, with each successive acceptance of the lesser. So what's the solution? I'm only as safe from sin as I am close to Christ. We can't just know about him. We can't just talk about him. We have to know him. And so, friends, this doesn't mean that over time we will not have any cares left in our lives. Um, As Christians, we're never made that promise, right? As followers of Jesus, we're never promised a carefree life. But there are times in which we're carrying around cares or misgivings that God wants to do some work on and take care of for us. It It might not be the most pleasant work, but he wants to do it. 
Lastly, David says, you know, see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Um, This can feel sort of like a throwaway Christianese kind of phrase, can't it? The way everlasting. Um, Something that maybe we would sing, but like we're not really sure what it means. You might have a footnote in your Bible there by that phrase, the way everlasting. And it probably says something like the ancient ways or the ancient path, which I love. Because I think what David is asking here is not for some, you know, make me into something like entirely new and different. He's saying, make me into one of your children, what you've always intended us to be. Put me back on that ancient path that I sometimes wander off of. This is just like what children do without realizing it with their parents that they feel safe with, right? They look to their parent to show them how to interact in the world, how to be. And David's saying, put me back on that ancient path. Make me into one of your children. In Psalm 119, which many think was authored by David, it says this, when I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort. So let's summarize here, friends. Because David has a personal relationship with the living God, he trusts God enough to invite this kind of real, deep, personal examination. And that kind of examination means opening up the rooms of our heart that hold our deepest cares and misgivings and allowing God to minister to us there. And if we can do that, friends, he can shape us into his children. We'll join up on an ancient path, as Sam prayed, that saints, all the saints before us have walked. We can experience that, friends, in the here and now. But it requires that we trust God enough to be willing to open up to this kind of searching. And so I I ask you, as we head into a new year, not calendar year, but sort of ministry year, um, school year for many of you, are you up for that kind of examination? Do you trust God enough? Do you know him? Maybe you know some things about him, but that, I don't think, will equal being willing to open yourself up in this way. Are we ready for it as a church? Matt and I talk about how this uh, sort of beautiful challenge that we have as Church of the City now is people who have been here for years and years, and people who are brand new. And so we as uh, staff and elders want to clarify who we are as Church of the City. But that requires an openness and an honesty because really we don't want that to be sort of our ideas of what Church of the City should be. We want Jesus, our lead pastor, our chief shepherd, to dictate that for us. And that can be scary. Are we open to this kind of examination for him to point out grievous ways in us and to put us back on that ancient path? So we already did this once in the service, but we're going to do it again. I'd invite you to take a few moments, quiet your heart, maybe close your eyes if that helps you to focus, and I want you, uh, we're going to do a couple things. First, I want us to get in that relational space, so think about a couple of things that you are grateful to our Heavenly Father for, ways he's provided for you, um, ways he's ministered to you recently. Think about a few things that you are grateful for. And then I will pray this prayer one more time for us, and then we will sing.
Father, a couple of things that I'm grateful to you for in this moment are students that we're beginning to see again and the life that these men and women bring to our church and for this space that came along at the right time under the right circumstances. It is so clearly a gift from you, Father. So as we head into this year, we pray this prayer together. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in us. And God, would you lead us in the way everlasting. Amen.